Welcome. This is Stan Lee of Marvel Comics warning you to look around you. Your classmates, your friends, you never know which one of them may be terrorist mutants who plan to destroy the human race. Mutants. I hate them. It has come to my attention that you have a mutant power. He's a mutant. A stinking mutant. He doesn't deserve to live on the same planet as normal, decent human beings. Get away from me, beast. Don't you remember what it was like when you first discovered you were a mutant? Magneto, Professor X. The X-Men. Welcome to my island. See the palm trees waving the wind. Welcome to my island. Hope you like me. Hated and feared. This week we find ourselves at the Green Lagoon as it's about to close. Only four patrons remaining. Even Sage is left for the night. I'm Nick, uh, and this week I'd like to be Cypher on the Quiet Council, because I'd like to listen more, but I've also been told I need to not take no for an answer, and I have something to say. Alright, and next to me is Kiwi. Hey, uh... Hi, Kiwi. Um, I, t- I didn't think of a dude who would want to be again. Um, I'm not, I can't just take Magneto again. That's boring. Um, you could just be Magneto every week. Nah, just... Uh, I'll be Apocalypse, because he's coming back in a big way. He's coming way. back. He's so he's, back. Someone else was keeping the seat warm, but now, now he's on his way. We also have Janos. Who was Apocalypse's seat? Was it? Oh, it was Colossus, I think. I don't. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm. I'm Janos. Uh, I'm. I'm gonna take. I guess. I, I guess I will take Colossus's seat because he has all the votes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And last but certainly not least, we have Holly. Uh, I'm Holly. And I will be Genesis, not on the council uh, or the Great Ring, but important for the summary of this week that we remember who Genesis is. Uh, And I think the meaning of strength is the quality or state of being strong. Hell yeah. One way to think about it. (laughs) I think that's going to be the big big reveal in the Hellfire Gala, is that Genesis is now on the council and on the ring and also leading the X-Men. I would genuinely love yeah. that. <laughs> she seems very cool. <laughs> I we learned some like at this point we know we know way too much about the Hellfire Gala already. I've I've avoided knowing most things. Yeah, I, I genuinely well I mean, I don't know. I, I don't feel like I actually know much. You know one of the big things. Because we're getting a new title. Oh yeah, well yeah. The 
the big dome Do we thing. want to get into that right away? Do we want to kick it off with... I was going to uh, say, should we go through the fall of things and then get into the Hellfire Girl stuff that we know? Yeah, we can, that, that makes know. sense, because Hellfire Girl yeah, is going to be yeah. Yeah, the next thing. So we can make like spoiler predictions and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. Is there any other Marvel news happening other than the than the big dumb thing <laughs> I, don't, I don't think <laughs> the big I don't thing think that so. everyone needs to talk about yeah um i haven't read any I, other marvel stuff than x-men this week i'm, I'm so. waiting on issue two of ultimate invasion <laughs> ultimate invasion please jonathan deliver us the next issue there were there was a big preview for gods as well oh, but that's yeah, not that's out until thing. like october yeah so. i think there was a preview for thor as well but i haven't read that one mm-hmm. uh, there was the thor annual yeah. and there's just like a couple of but it's the it's just like a page at the end that's like thor looking beat up and then it's like he didn't know what was to come <laughs> to be continued in immortal <laughs> thor it's really <laughs> nothing hell yeah like, great that's enough for uh, me that's all I need. Yeah, I think the over. only I think the only non X stuff I read like since the last episode w- was Fantastic Four, which I'm keeping up with. Still good. Is it still Ryan North? Yeah, it's Ryan North's Fantastic Four. It's it's really fun. It's uh, I've been because I've also been parallelly reading Hickman's Fantastic Four. Way different. <laughs> <laughs> Very different vibe. Um, there was Moon Knight had the 25th issue. This uh, Jed McKay run. It was like a big eighty-page special, uh, which is pretty great. Nice. That like entire run is just Jed McKay is someone who just r- continues to surprise me with how good his comics are, even though I already like them. I'm just like he's just trucking along on Doctor Strange and Moon Knight, and now Avengers, and it's like yeah, I, I need really to. I'm keeping up with his Avengers. Uh, I need to read. Yeah, his I'm Moon excited for issue three of Avengers. I thought yeah. the first two were really good. Uh, I really enjoyed Jed McKay's Black Cat stuff. Um, yeah, and I guess I should catch up on the the rest of the stuff he's been doing. <laughs> on on Black Cat, I dropped off for the stupid reason that comics do, where like the second year of his run started with like a tie-in thing. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was the King in Black, it w- it which was also the derailed the the X Men yeah. stuff. And like, I was so confused with that. And then I was like, "What is King in Black?" So I should maybe just like skip that first issue and like read the rest of them because I probably I was just the rest really of it's more fun by that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that that was my introduction to him as well. Was the Black Cat stuff? It's it's all just great. Mm. I, I guess we can dive into the fl- before the fall. Before Excellent. the fall. I wanted to say the fall of fall of before. <laughs> well, you know, kind of. Yeah. Be fall it's, of it's four. <laughs> um, I think we go release order. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so that's a good call. That's how I reread them today to see if it adds up to a cohesive whole. And spoiler, it doesn't. Oh, I thought <laughs> Mutants First Strike came out before Suns. No, Suns no, was the it's first Sons one. first. Okay, so I'll dive into mine then. My recap. Um, so Legion and the rest of the Legion of X team up with Mother Righteous, uh, one of the clones of Sinister or of the original Nathaniel Essex, to save Nightcrawler and the other mutants that have been turned 
monstrous by a magic virus. In the process, Legion disappears, and Nightcrawler leaves Krakoa and the Quiet Council to investigate murders he may have caused. And that's pretty much what happens in the issue. I actually didn't yeah. know he was going to investigate those murders. It was, I, it's it was, kind it of was implied. That's a little bit of a left. jump. That's a little bit of a jump for me. He like wants to like, I don't know, make he, good with humanity. I guess he's yeah. leaving the mutant paradise that he helped create for New York City, baby. If if he can make it there, he can make it anywhere. That's <laughs> so true. I wonder if New York City will be like a character in that comic. <laughs> the second character, if you if you Written really pay by, attention, yeah. I mean, this is this is revenge for this is revenge for Americans writing Excalibur uh, because now it's a British writer writing the New York comic. As a New Yorker, I'm down for it. (laughs) My most my number one thought on this, the note I have for this is one: uh, this wraps up Legion of X basically in terms of plot. It's basically Legion of X Eleven, like yeah. Um, but more this makes no sense if you haven't read Legion of X. Oh yeah, yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> um, the art uh, is beautiful. Phil Noto Great work. is amazing. Um, he makes designs that I don't even really like look brilliant. Like I'm not a fan of Legion's hair or his look <laughs> in general. And I'm not Legion a huge so fan of Nimrod's design because he can just kind of look like a pale pink blob sometimes and that's not very Nimrod intimidating Nimrod looks, like, looks like such a dweeb like I... there's such a good and very intimidating full page spread with Nimrod on it though like exactly. three pages down yeah. and it's so good in this I'm like wow Nimrod is a character that I need to take seriously who looks intimidating <laughs> Like, he, he's he's fighting a man with ridiculous hair, and it's like, yes, please, more pages of this. Uh, stepping into the, for those that might need to know, corner, Nimrod is the, like, kind of final form of the Sentinels, who are robots that go to attack mutants, and uh, Legion is Professor X's neglected son, who rules. Worst dad. <laughs> he sucks. <laughs> Worst dad. He 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 does not get the dad of year. He's the deadbeat of the year. That's kind of why I love Legion. Like on a personal level, I also have a deadbeat dad. Yeah. So it's like just nice to have like that representation. I know it's all over comics, but it it hits really well with Legion because Charles Xavier is such a, a famous character. Yeah, and he's like someone you'd think of as a good guy, right? And then he's yeah like, this shitty dad. It's it's also like the part of Legion of X that's been very compellingly written is the like father son relationship between Professor X and Legion or lack of it. Like that's that's some of the stuff that's really hit in Legion of X for me, uh, and it's not paid off here exactly because this is sort of a transitioning into the fall of X and uh, Uncanny Spider Man, um, but that's been great throughout the like the previous issues um i love that when mother righteous hits nimrod to distract him with one of her orbs um the 
out of the panels come the panels of the issue of X-Men where we got the backstory to Nimrod. Uh, yeah, so it's like, a really cool... It's look. it's just a great effect. Again, like, the art in this issue is amazing. Uh, and, and I love it. <laughs> There's also, during that, a bit of a, like... War- some part of Warlock is still inside Nimrod, as well as... Which is... Just like note that down as something that will come up later. I assume. Oh yeah, that's that's going to be hugely important. I'm sure. I had forgotten that Warlock had sort of died. So. Um, yeah, I kind of was checked out by the end of Legion of X, and but the, the, there's a good there's good bits with that. Yeah. So Warlock has kind of died, and now Legion has kind of died, and maybe also yeah. Blindfold has kind of died. Yes. So Legion ascends or something similar at the end of the issue. <laughs> but he can't really because well, if he did it like the full way, then he would just get get eaten, eaten by the by Dominion. Whichever whichever one of the sinisters is the Dominion, so he's presumably gone somewhere else. Or Yeah. He, unclear. In his conversation between him and Blindfold before he disappears. Um, he, he states that he is making a sacrifice and that he's doing it for Nightcrawler because Nightcrawler is the key. Yeah. Uh, Kurt is the key, is the line, actually, um, of, of, of the issue. So, Which is interesting because Destiny, in the end of Rogue and Gambit, believes that uh, Manifold is the key. Yes. Um, and... I don't know. Did any of you guys read the last issue of Rogue no, Gambit? I did not. Yeah, because I, I did, and also it's weird because it came out after whatever X Men Twenty Four, mm-hmm. and it is very. It's like in X Men Twenty Four, it's like Rogue being mad that Destiny made her do all that, and it hadn't even finished the story yet. <laughs> it was just odd timing. That's that's some classic comic books, though. That's it's been happening that's... a lot recently in X Men, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, in in the end of Rogue and Gambit, for just to fill you in, Janos, uh, Destiny has Rogue uh, hand over Manifold, and he's in kind of like a pit like stasis, so that Destiny can keep him safe because she believes he is the key to stopping the fall of Krakoa. Mm. Okay. Which I don't know important. how he can help if he's locked but, up, though. Yeah. <laughs> he's a cool yeah. guy. Yeah, it's I, I did. I did also just just read Secret Warriors, which is the comic where Hickman invented him. Oh, pretty excellent. cool guy. <laughs> <laughs> this, this. I mean, there, this is still a confusing comic um, because it's the end of Legion of X. Uh, but I yeah. think this is a bit. I think this is a bit better than most of Legion of X. Like it's it's. Maybe it's because of the art uh, that's so good, um, but it feels like you know there's some there's some good uh, plot hints or plot like threads that I hope are gonna be paid off well. Yeah, in fall they also resolve um, uh. Banshee being the spirit yes. of variance. Banshee's um, that's back. over now. Banshee's back to normal. Uh, he doesn't remember anything, uh, and he's kind of glad about it. 
yeah, yeah. I don't blame him for being glad yeah. about it. <laughs> it seemed um, like a rough time. And also Nightcrawler did. can't remember yeah. anything. No, 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 he can, right? I, I, if, if I recall correctly, I'll try and find the page, but like he says that Legion didn't give him a gift like that, so I think he does remember all. No, I, he doesn't believe that Legion gave him it as a gift. He doesn't yeah. believe oh, okay, that's okay, the okay. reason that's, why it's a, they've lost yeah. his memory, but there is a point where him and Charles are talking after his resurrection, and Charles is like, I can't lose Legion again because he's just like saving face and lying. Um, and <laughs> I, I'm just giving Charles that's the most least charitable read, read possible. Yeah. 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 Um, I but, think that's fair. <laughs> um, he's earned it. <laughs> but. Uh, he says to to Nightcrawler like something about how he's lost his memory, and Nightcrawler is like, "Yeah, it's different than the X, um, or than mm. than Judgment Day." Yeah, yes, because yeah. it was Judgment Day where he chose to remember being All dying and resurrecting like twenty four times or something. Yeah, it's great. He's been through Judgment a lot. Day. Yeah, he's, he's been, been going through a lot. He had the physical embodiment of his hope ripped out of him by his one of his mothers. Um, he died a bunch of times. He got turned into a monster. It's and now he's going to New York City because he's given <laughs> up on his dream of paradise, or at least that's how I have somewhat read Nightcrawler leaving. Um. We would all love to become Spider-Man to deal with our trauma. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's, That's the dream. It's true. <laughs> That's why Spider-Verse is number one at the box office. Yeah. Yeah. Truly, we, we can we all be Spider-Man. Gets, does he get web shooters? Uh, that's the big question. I don't think but, he needs them. <laughs> I know he doesn't need them, but yeah. I, I think it would be funny. I mean, if he, he was already anyway. like the or, or like one of the uh one of the clones or what I don't know what they were called in um in Sins of Sinister uh, the... was the war crawler. So I Yeah. I, I the like yeah. Spider Man's genes fused with Kurtz or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it was like Miles Morales was oh, like yeah, what yeah. the costume was hinting at because it was like similar to Miles's costume, but that could have just Yeah, but that's how that's how the one at the, at the end here looks like as well. So yeah. But yeah, it might just be like Nightcrawler base. There's a cool image here also towards the end where uh, weaponless Jean, the mutant whose power is to paint the truth, has painted the truth of uh, Kurt Nightcrawler and it's the Earth and in front of it is the X-Men X and to that Nightcrawler is being crucified and also a pirate sword is like going through him. But it's, it's his hope sword. It's the hope sword, and yeah. the- there's a bamf on top of it, like a white bamf. Yeah. Who we also see earlier when uh, Banshee is talking to Nightcrawler at at the uh, Green Lagoon or the Red Lagoon. They're probably at the Red Lagoon, um, and he, you can see it in the raptor rafters of the bar, um, and Nightcrawler's kind of looking at it but doesn't see it, and like I think that's kind of what the Soul Sword turned into, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Kurt is naked here and has no dick, which we know Weaponless Jen has seen him <laughs> naked. So I don't know if this is the truth. There's a, like a famous Nightcrawler theory that he has two dicks. So Interesting. Okay. Uh, yeah. I, I think an important thing is that he, he can and does fuck. 
Um, yeah, I- I'm, yes, I'm fine absolutely. on whatever mechanics he uses to do so. So the the thing I heard on Cerebro this week in an episode <laughs> I listened to was that he has two dicks and they're retractable. That makes sense. <laughs> okay, that okay. makes yeah. I'll roll with it. Why not? I guess in the commentary or like an, a behind the scenes interview on the first X Men movie, there's they were interviewing one of the writers at the time. Uh, I forget his name, Chuck something. Oh, Chuck Austin. Um, Chuck Austin. Yes, they're interviewing Chuck Austin, and he basically, as a joke, said that Nightcrawler had two dicks, and like it's been like debated ever since then. Of course, that's good stuff. Yeah, um, I think it's hilarious, but, like, I also don't give a shit about Nightcrawler's genitalia at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. It's, um... I've, I've oh. My train of thought has entirely been <laughs> Sorry, derailed. I've destroyed <laughs> the conversation with this Nightcrawler dick talk. I'm, I'm gonna shout out the one other panel I really like, though, which is, uh, they're about to go kill the monsters so they can be reincarnated um or like brought back to life and juggernaut is running into the distance towards them and he's yelling dibs dibs and it's great <laughs> yes this, yeah this brings me right back to the thing that i'm interested in in this which is that in way back in x-men whatever when so uh, uh has this crisis of faith which then leads to legion of x and the spark and all of that and the crisis of faith is brought on by seeing the crucible which is where apocalypse um goes and fights mutants who want to die in order to be resurrected uh and it's he he's he's watching apocalypse just like brutally murder a mutant to see them get resurrected and and anyone can fight to murder it doesn't have to be apocalypse oh he's just the first one yeah yeah apocalypse (laughs) is just the first one um, and then he he's looking on and he's like, hmm, m- like maybe we need some kind of like religion to stop us doing just horrific violence to our peers uh, and things like that. And this issue ends with him giving up on that and the Legion of X effectively led by Juggernaut or not led by Juggernaut, but Juggernaut exemplifying the rest of the Legion of X running off to go and do horrible violence to the monsterified mutants in order to undo something that's been done. Um, which, I, it, it could be intentional, it might not be intentional. It was interesting to me that Nightcrawler's journey ends with him sort of failing to fix or make better this problem of, like, violence in Krakoa. Yeah, that's the... I, I hadn't thought about it like that, but it definitely is... It, they're, they're very happy-go-lucky about going to do some murders. And right he there. also and needs like... to be murdered to be resurrected and, like, purified, quote-unquote, of, like, yeah. this magical strain that his adopted mother put him under... Uh, one other little thing is uh, the vision that Nimrod is given of the future of him being beaten is by the Avengers. I think it's kind of interesting that, like, they 
Legion is doing all these simulations of how he can beat Nimrod and the answer is kind of stop treating Krakoa as its own thing and get help from other people, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. And they're just, they, they don't think about that because they're isolated. And maybe, like, I think Uncanny Avengers coming up could sort of feed into them being less isolated from the other books than they have been. But uh, it is sort of, it's just a little noteworthy to me that 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 was how Nimrod was destroyed in the Sins uh, timeline, and yep. that doesn't seem like a, a thing anyone's even considering at the minute. Like, Orcus, like, they have never gone to anyone else and asked for help with Orcus, basically, unless Orcus come to them, you know? Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, we'll see if that comes up anymore, but I feel like it probably will, especially as you said with the Uncanny Avengers thing. I think that's like a a good thematic point to have in mind, like going through the fall of Krakoa, especially because uh, a lot of the ideas around like the the, the in-world politics of Krakoa are mutant isolationism. uh, And so we might see a trend like away from that. Which is also... What Kurt's like what Nightcrawler is doing is breaking away from mutant isolation. Yes, exactly. Like, so yeah, it's it it, it it sort of comes in there as well. Yeah, they're in com- they're in conversation with each other. Um I think are we ready to move on we to should move first on, strike? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. Um Right, I have the summary for, for strike here. Hell yeah, get Orcus. into a Kiwi. Sorry. <laughs> Orcus used stolen X-Genes to create a mutant dirty bomb and set it off in Milford, a small town in the USA. Uh, the X-Men and a ton of other mutants gather and help uh, rebuild and cure Milford and fight off the Watchdogs and anti-mutant group. But Orcus ultimately succeed at creating negative propaganda out of the, the bomb, basically. Um, I... When I first read this, it sort of felt like just reading a list of mutants. Yeah. Like, <laughs> the back half, it's just, here is mutant, here's what they're doing, here is mutant, here's what they're doing. And it was all, like, kind of neat stuff, but it's like, it it wasn't a particularly compelling sort of story by itself. It just felt like... We, we want to show that the mutants can help and here is how 50 different mutants can all help in some way um, and I reread it this morning or this afternoon and uh, I liked it a bit more because I sort of sped through that bit <laughs> and like there is more to it it was just when I first read it it felt like that was the entire thing yeah this is the one um, out of all of these where I was just skimming it like you don't need to read all the words set here <laughs> Um, I think uh, the concept of like Orcus doing false flags, like propaganda, and using the like using propaganda in general to turn people against the mutants is interesting. Um, and the the like tying it into the Thunderbird uh, comic 
with uh, it's like stolen X genes from from the like indigenous people that are being used for these bombs is like nasty in a good way. Like it's uh, it's gross um, and it's cool, but uh, it's it is like very. Here's here's the X Men being the most goody goody two shoe good guys and that's kinda of it. That's Yeah, this comic nice. is thirty pages long. I ate that shit up. There's though. like I ate it two up. sentences of content in it. I loved this issue. I ate all of this goody goody little tricks, little gags up. This is right up my alley. I want to see all this bullshit all the time. <laughs> Sorry, it's boring to everybody else, but it's delightful to me. You're the target audience. You're, you're who I it's am. for. Um, I love to see the dogs licking ice cubes that Iceman's that's made. That's cute. That was cute. It's cute. I think that, like, very clearly, there is an audience for this kind of comic. Um, yeah, it's sort of an issue of Marauders. It's by Steve Orlando. It's got, like, most of the Marauders team in it. Um, yeah, they all have, like, a nice little cameo. Yeah. Or not all of them, but close to it. Um, and they're doing a mutant rescue mission. It's a good, like, really solid concept. It, uh, it's, like, I think it's pages 23 and 24, which are every panel is a new mutant often quite obscure using their power in a really creative way to do something good um uh my favorite panel which i had to break out google for is the Iceman one where he states that he uh is an accountant and he is canonically <laughs> a qualified accountant um so in the initial x-men run after he leaves the x-men he goes to, like, normal university, qualifies as an accountant, and then goes back to being a superhero afterwards. Um, this, is, this is especially those two pages. That's, like, that's pure Steve Orlando stuff to me. Like, it's, it's such deep cuts with, like, Iceman being an accountant. Um, Ice Cream, the, the mutant whose power is to make different flavors of ice cream. Um... Like, uh, uh, there's one called, like, the tag, Alchemist or whatever. A, uh, Tag, who can make people it so that they flee. Everyone Ex flees that person, but he used it on objects this time, so people can, like, be removed from hazardous situations, which is very interesting. Yes, he's one I looked up because it was like, what? what is this power? <laughs> like, you don't understand it from that one panel, and then it was like, Oh, that's the sort of neat, like, uh, sort of unusual power that I feel like, um, like Mar Marvel doesn't really do a lot. Like, yeah, a lot of powers are very straightforward. It's like Escapade. It's also mm -hmm. a very like unique power that's like very specific. Um, you also he's one of the um hellions like the second group of hellions um from the new mutant or from uh new x-men the one after the um the grant morrison run uh 
and you also get Icarus in this issue, who's from the same like group, and is one of the Guthries. He's the, mm-hmm. the oh, of he's the um, angel with the red wings. Yes. Yeah, I yeah. think I, I think it's probably obvious at this point what my problem with this is going to be as like a if you're a relatively new comics fan. <laughs> there's nothing for you here (laughs) oh yeah i read i read all of that shit recently so that's how i know it (laughs) because i'm just like all x-men all the time there's just like if i if you're showing to me characters i don't know that's fine then let me get to know them let me be like oh that's interesting i want to read more of them like ice cream obviously is the one that that is gonna catch your eye because you're gonna be that's a weird power but for most of these, it's just like, okay, what's going on? Okay, here's someone with this a wacky the... power doing with a power doing something. Like, okay, sure. <laughs> That's one of the things about X Men that ends up being very isolating to like new incoming fans is is the tendency to shout out and like do the the Marvel Cinematic Universe thing of constant cameos, you know. But I eat it up. My other thing about this issue is that the idea of Orcus waging like a media propaganda war on the X-Men and on mutants in general is is great and really interesting. Um, but kind of like, in this issue, it's not the main part. You kind of sort of... It feels a lot like, you know... There's a scene in Wreck-It Ralph 2, Ralph Breaks the Internet... <laughs> Where he's looking at a wall of mean that. tweets about himself, <laughs> and he's just like looking downcast, and like that's what the like we're doing evil media propaganda felt like in this issue. Like, there's just Judas Traveler who has like ridiculous facial hair. That's neither here nor there, but like it's wild to me that he looks like that. Like, he looks like he belongs in a biker gang. And he's in charge of their propaganda division. Um, and he's just got, like, this wall of, t- like, effectively, like, here's all my, like, news reporters who are saying mean things about mutants. Um, which gets it across. It's just, um... It doesn't mesh with the rest of the issue. And it doesn't really, mm, like... yeah show much consequences of that that's... because yeah oh god oh no no that was good. the end of my okay no because I, I was just gonna say that kind of shit like the uh, i'm glad you brought up the record ralph example because that's like <laughs> exactly what it feels like like the, that every time some type of media does that kind of shit of uh there has been a media shit storm and there have been all these mean comments and tweets it always feels so hack to me like it just never feels believable like never feels like you know i've been on the internet i know what i've seen internet trolls and this is mm-hmm. i mean this is me this is tv news i guess but it's like yeah like i i actually kind of i the that like last couple of pages sort of stinger worked for me because it was like you you think the that they've they've turned this around they've done a good job yeah. But then, yeah. and then it's, it reminded me of, you know, those videos that are like, here is every news report of, um, like, like all the news reports on like a new Amazon 
distribution center being set up or something and it's like 40 different news channels across america and they all have the exact oh, same yeah, lines yeah. and stuff and it feels like that like yeah i've seen that and it's, yeah it's, it's fucking scary and weird and like it it actually sort of hit there but i do sort of like yeah the just like people are being mean online <laughs> about our x-men doesn't doesn't hit quite as well yeah. I do so like true. this. I will shout out that this this Sam Elliott ass looking guy is doing the game of pose here, like the crossed <laughs> crossed hands and smirking. Like if you if you know the Power Up comics game of comic, uh, it's, uh, it's 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 that pose that yeah. everyone does in every exact panel in that one. I have one more minor thing to say about the art, uh, and this might have been a personal thing to me, but does Jean Grey not look like Jean to 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 either of you? Like to me, I always think that's hope let me, in let this me, comic. I yeah, I, I every time I turned the page, I was like, "Oh, has Hope showed up?" <laughs> I don't um, know. She looks like was Jean. green to me. She looks too green. young. <laughs> she looks like Jean to me. <laughs> she looks uh, too young. Maybe it's the costume. She does look young. Yeah, I think it's the costume for me. Yeah, because uh, usually we're in like very distinctive costumes for Jean. It tends to be like either like one of her X-Men ones or like a riff on one of her old like iconic ones from the Claremont era and this is she's she's just in like the the like white jacket outfit in this it's a it's a bit of a throwback to Grant Morrison I think like the whole oh, yeah. the whole issues like outfits they're in white and red it's so it's different but I, I it did feel that. like Grant Morrison-y to me but I I love oh. Valentina Pinty's art it's like, it's good art in general. It's, so it's really just yeah. with yeah. jeans, uh, just with Jean Grey specifically that I I was like she looks so much. She looks too much like Hope. And it might she be a problem with uh, with the character designs of these comics in general. That there's like especially if you draw like this many different mutants, uh, and you have to kind of rely to the iconic parts of them. Like you know, Bishop yeah. has a tattoo and the haircut, and I don't know, Storm has. You know the other haircut. It's difficult with <laughs> with someone who is just like an attractive woman with red hair. Uh, yeah, uh, but she does when... look like she does look. I've been reading the Claremont stuff stuff as well, and she does look. She looks way older in those, even though she's like in their twenties, maybe than she in, in her twenties at that point. Uh, on on the just the little thing for the art as well. It's like the initial explosion. Uh, the sound effect of Krakazakun <laughs> is just great, like <laughs> dumb comic sound effects. They, really like that. They have a lot of fun with the crackooms in these in these comics. Like they, that's that's always a always fun one. And sound effects. Another little thing I had noted is just uh, when when they're like talking to the Quiet Council and they're like, "Oh, we'll go." help um charles has the line if we are to be gods we must be benevolent ones which <laughs> feels so like he's so condescending up his own ass. yeah or like he's he's looking down on these people even as he's saying like we sh we will go help them and he's like sort of feeding into that the problem which is people think that x-men have de or the mutants have decided they're the, the gods of earth now so he sort of uh it, it feels a bit uh 
I don't, know, I don't know if you need to yeah. be talking like that, Charles. Yeah. <laughs> Especially not when you were Mr. Sinister, like, two weeks ago. And <laughs> I think it's but. a great Krakoa-era Charles Xavier line, because yeah. that's, that's, that's how he's acting all the time in this. And in some ways, it contradicts his core fundamental beliefs which he's based his morality and dreams on and in some ways it's just a very natural progression of a guy who thinks he's better than everyone else and knows what's right yeah yeah it's a very very telling line i think just in general though like this issue feels like the most skippable out of these four like there's very little that happens in this one that wasn't it's orchid. the fanfare issue for yeah, sure like all the all the orchis staff orchises like making mutants look like they're the bad guys that was has been done in like the the main x-men book and uh immortal iron man not immortal invincible iron man in that one like it, that has a lot of Orcus stuff in it. Like where we at this point, uh, I think it has arrived that Orcus is up to no good. <laughs> yeah, this is this is the yeah. one that to me is like I I don't know why this is part of the like before the fall, you know? Yeah, yeah. It could have just been a, a Marauders annual yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah, sort of. Yeah, for sure. Do we want to move on yes. to? Yes. Yeah. Lovely. So, Heralds of Apocalypse, or do they say it as Heralds? No. The Heralds of Apocalypse. Alright. In this issue, we threw a conversation between Apocalypse and Genesis. We learn more about their shared history as husband and wife, and their differing views on the matters of war, strength, and survival. Through this conversation, we specifically learned that in the past, during the Araco War, uh, where um, Araco is split from Krakoa and hurtles into Amenth, the sort of hellish dimension where it's trapped for a long time, Genesis was in fact offered peace by um, Annihilation, not that Annihilation, unrelated to the Annihilation wave, um, by the uh, Annihilation, which is this sort of golden mask which controls the demons of Amenth. Um, Genesis was offered peace, and she rejected it because she thought she could win the war. And we learn that uh, back in our current time, or like a week before. Uh, that Genesis, with the staff that the Annihilation Mask was reforged into at the end of X of Swords, has once more brought Amenth under her control, as she did during the big X of Swords crossover event, and that she once more intends to bring war to the land that was once her home. Um, there's a whole bunch more in this issue, but that's broadly what happens. What do you all think strength means? I think survival is a pretty good definition, you know? 
strength is strength is the horny monkey in Jojo, right? Or is that the ship? <laughs> it was either the name of the monkey or the name the of its stand. I, I'm not ship. sure. Yeah, I think it was the the ship and the I think monkey it's the was the ship user. because yeah, that yeah. season is the um the tarot cards. Yes. I think strength is having four arms and making me want to call you daddy. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> they're they're kind of apocalypse and genesis are kind of hot. Like that's my yeah, yeah. that's my yeah, main that's take. That's like that's that is what is going on. <laughs> it's it's hot and I'm thinking about ethics and <laughs> Yeah, so the the big divide in that conversation is that um, Apocalypse, <clears throat> we're getting some, some light realigning of his character um, post the Krakoa era, and post, sorry, my cat's just sniffing me. Yeah, we're finally getting <laughs> a, a look into what his ideology is now that Krakoa has, has formed and that he's lived through this and what his heel turn, like, actually means where it was like only hinted at in the past like we only got a look into a little bit of it in all of um uh excalibur yes exactly thank you nick um yeah i think we said this on i'm not sure if we recorded this but uh, nick is of course using heel turn in a normal sense and not in the wrestling strength sense where it would mean he becomes evil and he was good before. Oh, yeah, um, it's yeah. a face turn, yeah. right? Is the is the proper term. I always yeah. get those two confused. I just use heel turn interchangeably, but it's a face turn. He's doing a face turn. Uh, so this issue recontextualizes uh, uh, Apocalypse by sort of positioning uh, um, a few new pieces of backstory that align with the sort of the, the, the Ten of Swords stuff and how he's been acting yeah. on Krakoa. Uh, which is that he lived on Araco with his with his beautiful wife in his beautiful house with four lovely children named Death, War, Famine, and Pestilence. Great and names. great. His goth wife named them. Yeah, his yeah. his goth wife named them, and I mean, kind of unfortunate uh, names because it sounds like it sounds like it reminds me of those like. Riders of the Apocalypse. Exactly. And Apocalypse yeah. is like, what 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 lovely names for our children. These are things that our children will never have to experience again. Which I have to say from <laughs> Jonathan Hickman is like it's it's such a strong way to realign and justify why Apocalypse has been going round calling these people death, famine, war, and pestilence as his heralds of apocalypse because there are so few ways you can even vaguely justify that being something aspirational or for the, for the good of the uh-huh. world. And it's very uh, Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Exactly. Like, why were we called that sort of thing? <laughs> yeah, like, oh, hey, apocalypse, why have you called your, your children death, war, famine, and pestilence? And... He's like, actually, my wife named them, <laughs> and I was very happy with it, because these were the things my children would never experience. And then in the face of losing paradise, this becomes twisted, and it's what he brings down upon the world that took paradise from him. 
Um, and honestly, like a lot, a lot of credit to Al Ewing for, for, for like threading that needle um, there. And uh, when Apocalypse says this to Genesis in the past, when they're enjoying paradise, um, she's like, "Haha, you, you fool, you childish baby, my, my husband who is a weak little toddler." Uh, and always loved books and philosophy more than the true value of strength, war. They are named this because these things will return to our world. They are inevitable and we must prepare for them. So in that you get, like, the divide between Genesis and Apocalypse, which hasn't really been present before because both of their ideas... She had a big mask on. She had a big mask on. Both of their ideals are, like, survival and strength. And so we really get into, like, how do their ideas differ? And uh, handily, they explicitly talk about what they think strength is. Uh, Apocalypse sort of meanders around the idea and uh, is talking to himself for a lot of the issue. Um... Well, no, he's talking to his little goblin friend. Oh, yeah, you're right. He's talking to his little goblin demon friend uh, who takes an axe to the head. Um, but but he's fine. He's fine. He's fine. He's fine. He got better. Well, he. I guess it just didn't he's hurt him He's built different. He's built different. That's the, that's the word. So, Gen- in Genesis's word, strength is surrender to me as it always was. Uh, and Apocalypse loves this. Apocalypse has surrendered his heart to his wife as he always has. Uh, Apocalypse is th- the possibly the first wife guy um, in in mutant history based on Marvel canon. And but he's like, but I don't think that's all strength is because uh, he's been thinking. He's been thinking in the years that he survived and visited untold horrors upon mutants and humans alike, and. He's been thinking about what strength is and what survival is. And in this conversation, he asks Genesis in the past, can the weapons that we are not become something more than weapons? He refers to his sword as a work of art, um, whereas Genesis sees it as nothing more than a tool. Um, And comes to the conclusion, his sort of conclusion by the end of the issue, that strength is survival, it is endurance, it is change, but that's not enough. It is not enough just to be there, just to exist, just to survive. There must be something more. And Apocalypse doesn't really say what this is, and you kind of get the sense Apocalypse doesn't really know what it is. Um, He's just finally thinking that there's something more to existence than war. Um, uh, Which is is very X-Men Red, new new Arako, like, learning to... Yeah, it's very in conversation with that. And is, with yeah. the most recent issues of Immortal X-Men, for sure. Like, talking about how we need to evolve um, beyond, like, the ideas and systems that we're, we're stuck in the loop of uh, recreating right now. Like, the last line of the comic is, like, that we need a revelation. Yeah. Oh, the revelation never ends. The revelation never ends. Yeah. So Um, we all gotta always be learning. So, um... So... (laughs) You know the Bible? 
anyone familiar with the bible the bible from from christianity oh all too well all too well the first book of the bible is usually referred to as genesis genesis is the name of apocalypse's wife the new name that apocalypse takes or at least refers to taking in this issue um and what he states the like bold Krakoan impact font A to mean is revelation or the the revelator. Um revelations in uh like mo- like most editions of the of the Bible that I'm familiar with um is the final book of the Bible. So we've got some nice symmetry there. Um, I could grab my Bible if you guys want. I have one your <laughs> Genesis to Revelations, you know, there's... Yeah, it's uh, in, in Germany, the Protestant Bible calls the first book the first book of Moses instead of Genesis. So, mm. uh, pr- pr- Protestants yeah. would not... Calvinists would not understand this joke. <laughs> or these references. It's, uh... The, the revelation thing is also uh, comes up in the Exodus issue of Immortal X-Men, which I only noticed because I read the, the Exodus is also a book together. of the Bible. Yeah, Exodus, uh, Exodus yes. the one. Exodus is an Old but, Testament uh, book. After but Genesis. Also, um, <laughs> yeah. uh, Exodus specifically calls Apocalypse his revelation yes. in that issue. Um, because, you know, it, it was a, a revelation to him. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's sort of yeah. So the uh, book uh, in the Bible is called the Revelation to John, yes, or the Apocalypse. There we go. So yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> We're hitting it. We're hitting it right on the head with this one. We've, yeah. we've cracked yeah. the I mean, code. The, yeah, the like common order thing that that is alluded to here is that uh, it it Apocalypse just means revelation literally but because the most famous revelation is the one from the bible and it's an end of the world scenario like that was what what was revealed to john that's why uh we think of apocalypse as being the end of the world but actually yeah actually it just means something that was revealed to you and and here we get that exact move being done but for x-men villain apocalypse actually X-Men villain apocalypse means X-Men not quite villain <laughs> revelation. He doesn't just want to bring about the end of the world in like horror and pain and death and war and famine. He wants to forge a new changing better world for mutants through horrendous like methods of eternal war. But not eternal. Important note. He doesn't actually want eternal war. He wants an end state. He wants paradise. Yeah, he wants to leave war behind. He wants to leave war behind. He's doing all this war so that he can move past war. So that mutants as a whole can move past war. So that, like, that's how we sort of realign new apocalypse revelation with everything apocalypse has ever done. (laughs) In the comic books. Yep. And it works pretty well, I think. Um, Especially as you then have Genesis being sort of old apocalypse um, and just being like, strength is surrendered to me. Um, uh, And there's also the implication that she's been shown Arako 
and is displeased. Um, this ties directly into X-Men Red, where we have the fall of the White Sword and um, John Ironfire hit new character. Um, Who? Yeah, uh, John rolls. Ironfire, I, I'm pretty sure, is in just a crowd shot here as well. Oh. Uh, on... On Okara. Oh hell yeah! Um, I did not cut, pick like, that one up. It's I think it's the sort of wide shot where they're talking about you know what need is pestilence because we um, our healers cure everything yes. or something. He's just like sitting at the bottom chatting to. I think it might be the guy who has the. Oh the no! Yeah, blades. yeah, yeah. It's yeah, that's yeah. that's yeah. that's blue or the white sword. Yeah, um, which is. Nice. Uh, they're just having a cute moment. Yeah. Uh, and then they're going to go to war for thousands of years, and it's not going to be great. Yeah. But they, they were having a nice time. There's also a lot of uh, great panels of, like, Apocalypses actually using his, his transformation powers, which you don't get to see a lot in the comics. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, you see him at one point, like, kind of creating, like, using himself as armor to protect his kids mm-hmm. while they're at war, and then, like, while he's fighting uh, Genesis later on, like, he brings out all four arms. It's good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I think it's been interesting how little Apocalypse has actually used his powers yeah. across like all of well he's like, also like a Krakoa. wizard so he just yeah, mostly yeah, does yeah, wizard shit that's what he's focusing on now he wasn't as a, as, a, as a newcomer to these comics like that's what I was like oh okay so Apocalypse is like a wizard guy I didn't like where he says oh the, hey this is my mutant power in this one I was like oh I never questioned what his mutant power is <laughs> yeah, it's... yeah a lot of like mutant villains are just like wizards yeah. like um, Celine is also she's a she's a sorceress you know like, personally I could delve forever into like go go <laughs> go go deep into the clashing ideologies of Apocalypse and Genesis and like what this issue kind of says about it um, but I don't think that would contribute too much uh, to, to the podcast um, the important part, one of the important parts, because I think there are a lot of like big words and and big concepts that, that, that come up in this issue um one of the important things, um, the Annihilation Mask that controls the Demons of Amenth, it's it's back, it's no longer a mask, it's the staff that it was transformed to, into in the end, and Genesis refuses to cast it aside um, on, on her mission after her husband Apocalypse is like, hey, I, I respect you, my wife, I respect your right to go to war with the nation that we founded because you think it's weak and lacking. Um, but if this truly is your path, walk it alone. And Genesis just says no and walks off. Um, so there's definitely something there about the agency of Genesis or the manipulation of Genesis by Annihilation, uh, which I, I, I hope we'll get delved into a little more um, because it seems that she is specifically being influenced by this presence and... Um, and also is in dialogue with it. Um, Apocalypse presents his 
latest magical mutant innovation, the Okara Gates. Uh, there are only three of them, and they appear to be able to teleport you anywhere in the world. Uh, or off-world, just, just anywhere. There appears to be no limitations on this teleportation, um, but there also appear to only be three of them. And uh, the uh, absolutely brilliant line from Apocalypse, uh, and I plant one here in my own blood. Blood is what the seed must feed on, for mutant blood has always been the cost of mutant power. Um, and I feel like that's uh, a very resonant line that will at least come back in X-Men Red uh, and really, really, like, weaves into the themes of the price of mutant power and the cost of mutant power. Um, like, there's that kind of thing. There's another little thing that on the cost of mutant power um, during his little he's like talking about magic at the start and one of his lines is about alchemist's gold pulled from heaven to make currency which uh, is very similar to what Doom says about Mysterium yes, it, when that is first revealed it, and he says you fucked up you've you've created currency here uh, or you've you've taken something magical and used it as currency, uh, that's going to have consequences. I think that's another thing that's like maybe a bit further off, but I think like we could be building to the White Hot Room is not happy about Mysterium existing. Yes, that's or something. that's again a very explicit like parallel to like earlier events. Like uh, this is one that that I like this ties together a lot of stuff from what's been happening since the start of the Krakoa era and points it in the direction of conflict, more or less. Um, and I loved it. <laughs> yeah, it's a great issue. I also, like, on the art side of things, I really love how, like, it's almost like a bichromatic, like, blue and gold like every page um like blue and gold are the colors most prominent in the issue for sure but like there are times like where it's the only thing on the page and blue and gold are like the x-men colors you know mm -hmm. x-men blue x-men gold oh, yeah, that's yeah yeah but it just like it really pops and it works really well um and it's a beautiful issue it is i mean the art in all of these are these are is great. yeah I want to jump on that color thing really quickly before we move past it. There is a third color of the X-Men, and that is X-Men Red. And the third color in this issue is the red that infects Paradise. Uh, so it shows us... And the blood us... all over Apocalypse. Exactly. We have the blood, like, we have the blue and gold together of, like, Paradise and things like that, and the red that stabs into it as the cost of it. Anyway, sorry to cut you off, Janosch. I had yeah, to jump Yeah, I was just going to say this is a... <laughs> This issue is a good counterpoint to Mutant First Strike because uh, in that one, like I said, it has like all of these characters and it's very hard for if you're not familiar with all of them to like care. Um, and in this one, it's quite heady. It has, it has its heady LUing writing, but 
even if you're in a, like uh, not familiar with Apocalypse, his backstory, uh, history of Okara and Arako and all this stuff, it's it's just really it just really really draws you in and makes you like actually be interested in Apocalypse, understand his deal, um, understand how him and Genesis like stand towards each other uh it makes you more curious about like it makes you actually want to like read up or like re- look up like other apocalypse stuff yeah absolutely i mean like my understanding of apocalypse is backstory has always been like vague because it's coming from the movies and the cartoons um more than anything um oh, and from it's really the, nice that to great have, oscar like, isaac performance yeah (laughs) um but uh it's really nice to have this like solid backstory for him in my like personal compendium now to to call upon and be able to be like oh this is who that guy is uh for sure um and like it's a counterpoint to like the age of apocalypse apocalypse which is like the the other like most famous comic one i know him from there's also, I think, a little bit of a re like uh, like shifting things around because I feel like before it was Okara, Okara was like ten thousand years ago or something, and now Okara is after he was in Egypt, which is four thousand years ago. Or so. I, it gets wiggly when you get that far back, but like, I think they're just kind of maybe, reestablishing maybe. the shit that happened to him in Egypt as being like something that happened after this like just adding on and making him older um, than he is it, 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 he does no. talk about his time in I... egypt before before oh okay uh, yeah because he's like yeah. uh he's when he's enjoying the paradise of the car he's like hey remember egypt that shit sucked um there was sand everywhere <laughs> <laughs> and akaro is the paradise that was built at the end of um uh the most recent marauders run with uh yeah the no, was was that no that was the other mutant paradise that's like a million years which, ago that's separate. which then leads no i to... think they're the same one aren't they oh, okay, yeah it's, okay, it's yeah. revealed that like yeah. it's it's sort of like then later through some means one mutant survives and then that leads to okara Oh, okay. Yeah, I wasn't. Yeah. Right there, but yeah, makes sense. Yeah, and so, like, everyone's kind of a child of um, that that uh, one mutant that was left um, behind in the past that had those, like, nature powers they turned into Akaro. Yeah. So, Neil, you have, like, a headcanon of how Apocalypse's name is pronounced, like, when it's just the A sign and, and all those. Because he says something... He definitely it's says the something. Transformers noise to me. But <laughs> yeah, that's kind of like it's like ah, uh, 
Like, yeah, which is not a good name, but no, I I, I imagine it, it like as kind of like a Terry Pratchett thing where he where like it's like death. you hear it in your yes. head, like you just uh, yeah, like it's this oh. kind of booming noise that yeah, like yeah. cuts past other sounds. That's that's how I've kind where of you been like kind of, of like see that like it's not like actual sound. You just see the A in your head when he says it's it. a head turner yeah. at the very least. And like there's, when it gets said, everyone yeah. in the room looks in your direction. Yeah, and I don't... I'm trying to remember in... I know in Excalibur, uh, I think... Richter said his... Always said his name the real way. Yeah, yeah. R- uh, Richter loves Big A. Him. Yeah. Yeah, top of the alphabet. But it's... Uh, yeah, I, I just wonder if like you need some special t- talent to even say it. Like to, You need to be really good at languages or something. Um... Uh, I mean, all, uh, all we know is only mutants can say yeah, it. Yeah, only mutants, mutants can know say the mutant it, it's, language. It's thanks to Doug because um, he was the person who created, or in part created, the mutant language. And when you go through the mutant gate to Krakoa, I believe you have the mutant language transcribed into your head. Mm. Yeah, I think it's like kind of vaguely supposed to be based on the way Doug. Uh, communicates with Krakoa itself yeah um but it's also like different um and I think it is like proper I bet Apocalypse himself had a a hand in creating the language because I've read other stories where Apocalypse creates like individual mutant languages there's like when Marvel did that event where all of the universes exploded and then they became one weird world Uh, secret wars um, secret secret yeah, in on the battle world, there was like Apocalypse had his own like island where there was like a religion. Hey, do you know the author he had created of Secret uh, Wars Battle World language in there? I don't. It's Jonathan <laughs> Hickman, the author of House <laughs> of, of X. Of course it is. God, of fucking course it is. Yeah, so Jonathan Hickman is usually using his bit again. Yeah, <laughs> that's a that's a Hickman thing to do. That makes so much sense because so much of that like run from uh, Secret World, Secret Wars, and Battle World does remind me of what Apocalypse and is doing uh, was doing initially on Krakoa, and also what was going on in Excalibur yeah. in the early issues of it. Yeah, absolutely. I think we should move on to Sinister Four. <laughs> All right, so Sinister Four. Uh, I don't have a written summary because of my. Laundromat incident, but uh, this is Sinister Four, uh, written by Kieran Gillen and drawn by Paco Medina, if I remember it correctly. Yes, um, it is. This is kind of similar in 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 its focus to Heroes of the Apocalypse, in that uh, once again we don't have any X Men. We're focused on the these nasty villainous characters. Um, Nathaniel Essex had a wife named Rebecca who died in childbirth and when she died she cursed him with the name Mr. Sinister. And we see a bit of that in in, in the flashback part at the beginning where they get married and then we smash forward to Dr. Stasis and uh, Mother Righteous having a date. They're both, Dr. Stasis and Mother Righteous are two of the four Sinisters. One of them is our friend who is in the pit. The other one is an old man in an orb. And uh, Doctor Stasis is uh, Mister Sinister, but not fun. 
and straight. Yeah. He's the hetero and uh, so sinister. Boring. And uh, Mother Righteous is this uh, woman with an East London accent who is red <laughs> and looks just like his dead wife. So that's why they're having a date because he is still really in love with his dead wife. He believes in stasis and the idea of everything staying the same and that's why he wants to preserve the family that died away to him. So they have a date. They talk about some stuff. Uh, We learn that they were actually in comics history all along in the background, (laughs) influencing the way science and uh, magic developed. Um, um, Dr. Stasis and Mother Righteous just off screen laughing with me. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, we have this, yeah, we have this date, uh, and, uh, they, they kind of talk about, uh, how they both have, like, differing memories of how they came to be that are presumably both false. Uh, Dr. Stasis believes he's the original Nathaniel Essex, um... Mother Righteous's memory is that she was created by Nathaniel as uh, as he was trying to bring back his dead wife. And then there's also a version that is in this book called Fall of the House of X, which is basically the I I think the version we learn in Sins of Sinister as well uh, that that uh, Nathaniel made four clones to. Uh, to like each of them to be and uh, to try different means to ascend to dominion basically uh, mother Sin- mother righteous knows that uh, mr sinister fails achieving dominion and she knows that one of the sinisters will be able to achieve it um, so that's after the date they go to uh, a place from their past, their old house and the graveyard there. Uh, Dr. Stasis recreates the headstone for their uh, their dead child and their unborn child and Rebecca. Uh, and then Mother Righteous says, uh, does a summoning thing where she's uh, supposed to summon uh, the god of death and uh, have him bring the moon. But, unfortunately, the god of death is Charon from Greek mythology. And they have a fight. Dr. Stasis defeats him with pin particles. Uh, and then it turns out that the moon was Selene. And um, she's back. We see her in Immortal X-Men 12. Uh, and after that, we, we think this is the end. And then we turn the page. And it turns out that Dr. Stasis, who pretended to not know about Orbis Stellaris, the old man in the orb, uh, but he actually does and is on, in contact with you with him and is um, making plans with, it seems like, both of the other Sinisters. Which, like, I, I feel like... Uh... At some point, we have to assume Mother Righteous is also meeting up oh, with yeah. Stellaris after this and being like, "Yeah, this guy sure. didn't even know about you." <laughs> I like they—they've all got to be like trying to 
get each other. They like, love to scheme. The only one not involved with the other ones is is Mr. Sinister himself because he's in the pit and also like he won it. <laughs> he's got yeah, his own clones for that. The third like. Oh yeah, when when did you figure out you weren't the only one? And it's like, oh yeah, it was when Mister Sinister was being like an obnoxious <laughs> dipshit and like being public, and we were like, oh yeah, okay, and we all just stayed in the shadows and like didn't do that. Yeah, and I think um, the best thing about this issue is that it feels like this is where we finally get some characterization for Doctor Stasis, who up to this point was just. Again, as I said, sinister but boring. And in this one, we we kind of learn that he is Nathaniel. All the parts of Nathaniel Essex that uh, Mister Sinister isn't, basically. Yes. Yeah. So what Mister Sinister He's is all about, like doctor, in a lot of ways, yeah. that Mister Sinister is just like the madness. Yeah. Well, they were they were both part of Nathaniel, right? Uh, and yeah. uh, Mr. Sinister is just the glamour and the craziness and he's all about evolution uh, and about like evolving and Stasis is all about like preservation you know as his name says Stasis he is uh, Mr. Sinister is flamboyant while he is while Stasis is like very conservative family values uh, the, 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 there's the obvious uh, like a, alignment of Doctor Doctor Stasis, Doctor Family Values with Orcus yeah. in opposition to Krakoa, um, which it's it's a very natural fit for for an enemy of mutant kind, <clears throat> especially with the kind of most applications of the mutant metaphor. The kind of guys Doctor Stasis is would be aligned against. Like another thing for this issue is we do get it explicitly that Mother Righteous is working with Orcus, uh, which has been heavily alluded to. Um, but I think this is where it's outright stated. Yeah, oh, well, this is her audition, sort of. Yes. To be, she's been working with them, and now she is like fully a part of the team. Yeah. Um, I believe which... Nimrod votes against her, which makes sense because back in Sons of X, she zaps Nimrod and tells him he has a soul, um, which Nimrod presumably dislikes. <laughs> I have some things to say about Sinister Four. So, uh, Kieran Gillen grounds the characterization of Mr. Sinister in a few things. Uh, one, um, he makes him very camp, very flamboyant, uh, but he also uh, very explicitly grounds him in 19th century thought and philosophy. Mr. Sinister is a eugenicist. He is obsessed with the ideas of evolution and survival of the fittest. Um, uh, or, more accurately, his kind of fucked view of survival of the fittest, because it doesn't really mesh very yeah. well with actual traditional views of survival of the fittest well, it's also nonsensical he just is like playing calvin ball with different genetic pieces and combining things haphazardly like yeah. like he is like to put it bleakly he's he's dr megala you know like well but also like i think uh this is this is the interesting thing about kieran gillen's interpretation i guess i listened to his uh, episode of uh, the Cerebral podcast where he talked about 
Mr. Sinister, like that was that was the episode of Mr. Sinister, and he said that he intentionally put him because some comics before he came on put him alongside the Nazis, and yeah. he yeah. he didn't feel like that was uh, appropriate for the fun villain. Yeah, <laughs> so he yeah. was like, I, I, I very firmly want to ground him in like the colonial crimes of Great Britain. Because yes. he's a very British character to him, like a very nineteenth-century British character. So it's it's shifted from being a Doctor Mengele to being like all of the fucked up things the British yeah. and American government have done um, in testing on marginalized people. I mean, choose any any like yeah British Empire any tragedy. War crime. You know, that's what yeah. That is part of what layers right on top of it. Mister Sinister represents and what he becomes, and then you have the Sinister Four, which get introduced, and Kieran at least with these two, continues that nineteenth-century colonial Britain foundation. So Doctor Stasis, in my opinion, represents uh, the movement of scientism. Um, which is what we would more closely know nowadays as like rationalism, um, uh, and the 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 movement of thought which leads us eventually to Richard Dawkins and Reddit atheists. Um, and <laughs> this is uh, you can you can see this in how he approaches everything that he does in this issue, which is you can solve every problem with the application of science. Of course, this is the application of Marvel Universe science, so it means that he's using pin particles and bits of Captain America's shield and Hulk gamma rays Hulk, to make stakes. Hulk stakes. But it's very firmly grounded in this 19th century view that science, like pure science, will hold the answers to everything. And then, coupled to that, he is stasis. He is... Nathaniel Essex's values of family, and it's very explicitly 19th century Britain family values. The issue ends with a great line, because throughout a lot of the issue, he's being a simp for Mother Righteous. He's like, I love you. Please go on more dates with me. I I regret all the times that I was mean to you when I was a 19th century nobleman courting you. I think I misjudged things quite a bit when you died in childbirth <laughs> um, and uh, talk talks to her, says things like, oh, it's the 21st century, I should have interest in your career goals now. Uh, a very funny line. <laughs> um, and then on that last page turn, on the, like, uh, uh, the last page, he's talking to Orbis Stellaris, uh, and Orbis Laris is like, you know she thinks you're an idiot and is manipulating you. And he's like, yes, but she is my wife, and <laughs> there is one thing that she swore to always do, and it's like, love, cherish, and obey. And, like, that's the, the, the end of the thing. And, like, Dr. Stasis is so firmly, like... <laughs> Yeah, misogynistic. Which is like, <laughs> righteous is not her. Like, Doctor Stasis is also the most like deluded in the whole. Like, I mean, and it started out with like his introduction in X Men, uh, in Jerry's Jerry Duggan's X Men, where he's like, "I'm the original Nathaniel Essex." Like, he's 
he's just so delusional that he is the real one and Mr. Sinister just all the parts of him cut away that he doesn't want to Mother Righteous is of course his real wife who mm-hmm. is the same like <laughs> idea that I had of her at the beginning and not like her completely her own person right I, I think the opening who's flashback lived is, like a hundred years yeah, since right yeah. <laughs> and has never been that person <laughs> yeah there's there's a bit where he is like uh his narration, because this is a Kieran Gillen issue, he does the same, like, POV thing that he does in Immortal, where this is all narrated by Dr. Stasis. And he says in the narration that uh, there's a part where where his narration is like, oh, she's dropped the... She's dropped the... uh, The Eliza Doolittle uh, thing. Uh, She's dropped being the... And she's the the like helpless um, young woman married to the Lord thing, and she is being serious now. And but then later he's like, oh, now she's back to how I remembered her, which is what she is. Yeah, he's just trying to pull his own image, like of who she is supposed to be in his mind out of like the little action she's doing throughout the issue and she's letting him because she's trying to use him to her as means to her own end um but like this is like that's just like something that misogynistic dudes do with women you know like you you are trying to to fit them into like an image um and put them on a pedestal and like own a version of them even if that is not ever true to who they really are um and it very much echoes an unhealthy like heterosexual relationship in like super simple and obvious ways because it is unhealthy (laughs) (laughs) it's just again mutant powers layered on top of it or well hardline experimentation on animals and (laughs) magical creatures in these two's case (laughs) Yeah, on that, on that, I, I, I think I also want to shout out the opening flashback. Like, I think that's such a good, like, that's a highlight of the issue to me. The, the first few pages. It's Kieran Gillen is so good at writing time periods. Uh, obviously, Wickdiv is a huge part of that. Is uh, is different like uh, time periods that he's writing, and this this is uh, this is not Lucas Warnack who uh, who who draws immortal who is also really good at conveying those time periods but paco medina is like also really great here it's just it really puts you in that like regency era romance novel thing where you know yes you you really feel the creep factor of the of the lord be like this this rich lord and a much younger uh commoner woman um it's it's really it's it's really good um the one of the other things is that like mother righteous is very aware of everything that uh dr stasis thinks about her um my my prediction is dr stasis is not living past the fall of x uh, <laughs> oh yeah i think dr stasis is oh not he's he's the first one of the four he's... to 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 die yeah he's He's such a loser. Like, he's such a loser. (laughs) The, like, um, whatever, Sin the Sinister book stuff, like, says that he's going to do something big at the gala. And I wonder if that. Yeah. (laughs) I don't think that'll be him gone then, but uh, 
It, yeah. It might be uh, the start of the end for him. Absolutely. Um, uh, I do not think Dr. Stasis is making it to Dominion status. <laughs> no. Um, I mean, if anything, I think this issue serves to, to show that he is just not that much of a threat compared yeah. to, uh, like, Mother Righteous and, like... Maybe Stellaris, but like mostly just Mother Righteous. <laughs> I mean, Mother Righteous has been the one that has been like built up all this yeah, time. Yeah, she's the big bad uh, for sure. From like starting with Legion of X, uh, and then like throughout Sins, and especially through the fallout of Sins, uh, where she like bought herself, like immediately bought herself into the mutants' favor mm-hmm. uh, by like. Telling them, hey, this is what happened. Here's the here's all the videos. I'm the good I'm the good one. I'm Mother Righteous. That's my name. That's a <laughs> that's the name for a good person. Yeah. Uh, well, we get like four threats really like laid out for us across yeah. these books. Um, Nimrod, Mother Righteous, um, Genesis, and then like the shit that's going on on the council. Yes. <laughs> oh, I have another thing to say about Mother Righteous. Um. Mother Righteous is also founded in 19th century Victorian era beliefs. Um, so within the issue, we get <clears throat> uh, we get statements about quote unquote poetical science, which is an idea that Ada Lovelace has, which is that science needs to be more than just raw data. It needs to have a heart, have a soul, so to speak. Um, so. What you get is uh, Nathaniel Essex realizing that he doesn't have that and therefore can't make a clone of himself to fulfill that role in his vision of what could become the future. So he does the only thing that he can think of, which is clone his wife. Um, The cloning scene that is a story about her creation, Um, the, the page where she comes out of the, like, tube or that or whatever um echoes the birth of venus like she is in part this idealized version of herself she was created from the story that nathaniel essex told about who she was and the person who she was like there's a lot of that tangled up in there but the thing that much more influences what she is and what she does uh, is also referenced in this issue. Um, my cat is in front of the microphone. Hesky, what are you doing? <laughs> uh, and uh, I forget the exact quote, but when she's messing around with her orbs to get Charon and Celine back, um, she's talking about minor deities and how useful they are and how desperate they are for worship um, or anything. And Dr. Stasis is like, Oh god, you're talking about some golden bow nonsense. Uh, the golden bow is a hugely influential book of the 19th century, which is all about comparative religion. And it was a big, like, study done by this Victorian era dude where he goes around to, like, a bunch of different religions and com- compares them all and draws out what he believes are, like, the sort of fundamental archetypes of religion. This is where we get, like, everything about paganism, sort of. This is the start of, like, a lot of mysticism. 
this is like this is where it's like oh yeah all ancient religions believe in fertility rites and sacred goddesses and the green man figure and stuff like that and in this context it's obviously referring to like the smaller orbs that she's collecting and because gods and magic because the golden bow also deals a lot with magic and links it to ritual and what is like sort of thought of as like savage practices of magic uh savage practices of religion which leans towards magic um mother righteous's stuff is all of that and like in our real world it's all nonsense and you get a bunch of like really weird victorians getting really into uh, uh like sex circles at stonehenge and orgies and all of that kind of thing like it's very heavy on the sex and the paganism and the stonehenge but in the marvel universe like magic and gods are real so you get mother righteous who has all this magical power um and the it, i would assume orbis stellaris follows the same rule but the only thing i know about victorian ideas of space is that they believed that there was a vast ether that you could travel through, and I'm not sure how that translates into, like, an ideology like the rest of those do. <laughs> I mean, I think Orbis Stellaris is, like, he's he's a colonialist and a slave trader, so... Oh, yeah, there you go. Like, You're very right. <laughs> I that, that It comes up, I forget, I think in the um, Sword it, series, it, it, right? It does, or I remember in one of the data pages, yeah um yeah he like he shows off like the five different like soldiers he's selling and they're they're slaves he's yeah. he's conquering aspects of like uh outer rim worlds around the shiar home system mm-hmm. and like converting uh member like using dna of different alien races in order to create soldiers and 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 servants so there you go like he's he's a colonial he's the colonial parallel we just haven't really like dug well i mean there are colonial aspects to each of these characters of course um but uh he's we haven't dug much into him of course and I, i mean yeah I think he's he's interested. I think it's probably I, I think gonna it might be, be a like, minute before we get to him. Yeah, um, I think we're probably gonna get Mother Righteous heavy stuff at first, and uh, yeah, because they they've been so like they've been so holding back on Orbistellaris that I have to assume they have some big plan for him. Yeah, they, I feel like he's, he in. might be sort of the the next villain in red once yeah. the Genesis stuff is dealt with. It seems likely. And then Mother Righteous sort of stays on in Immortal, maybe more strongly. I think, like, in a metatextual way as well, like, Dr. Stasis is kind of like a callback to, like, um, like, it's it's pointing at Marvel and being like, you're you're two the same all the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think, like, you, you look through all the character stuff and he's in the background, but, like, those are the stories that we see over and over and over again. Um, and like point. we very much in the Krakoan <laughs> era, it's a push to to not only like wrapping up these old storylines, but pushing for something new. And that's that I think that's very thematic yeah. with what's going on I mean, in Immortal X Men right now. Was the science experiments gone wrong stuff like a heavy thing in X Men lore beyond the original like Kirby? 
uh, not really no run because like all um, we, we the, talked about it that like all 60s heroes were created basically the same way yeah uh beast when he turns blue which is in the kirby era um like that's a science experiment gone wrong but for the most part the x-men don't like tend to dabble in that area it's a lot of like broken timeline stuff um i say i think is their biggest bag broken timelines and government oppression (laughs) it's um it's it's mostly related to either mr sinister or dark beast those are the places where we do see more science experiment gone wrong um stuff in the x-men because um, there's like the there's Mr. Sinister does like the Black Womb project or whatever at some point, which is like uh, it's something to do with mutant kids. I can't. Yeah, remember the I haven't details. gotten to any of that Gambit yet is related in, the, to in the classic stuff. So I I will keep you posted yeah. as I as I plow through. But so far, like there there's a lot of like individual um, character mutant like mutants that their powers work in a way where they need the assistance of science. But that's generally like a um, a disability type parallel story mm. rather than like what you get with your Captain Americas and your in your Hulks. Oh, who's who? Who's your bet for Dominion of 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 the Sinisters? Because I think mine is Mother Righteous. That's who I'm backing for Dominion. I think they're she's she's definitely in the lead yeah. at the minute. Um, yeah, I feel like Mother Righteous is is like too obvious because she's the one who seems to have all the, yeah so that's why i would bet on orbis Stellaris. uh but yeah i also sort of feel like if it was mother righteous she could have just ascended at the end of sins of yeah. sinister like but i guess it's a it's a one in three shot for her as well she doesn't know for sure whether it's her up there so it's kind of it doesn't work but mm. I saw an ex spoilers theory that um it's that all four of them have to work together to have it happen. Um but <laughs> that's that's fun. Yeah, <laughs> I, like be... maybe, probably not. Um, yeah. <laughs> I I think uh I think if anything it's it's none of them. I mean to I be wouldn't honest. Mi- like I think I think it's gonna be secret fifth option, whatever <laughs> it, whether that's that's the original Nathaniel Essex has already done it yeah. or or like the idea of Dominion has like always existed and like they're wrong about their ideology, yeah. you know? Like that's I, those are my guesses. I believe it was confirmed it was one of the like sinisters but I can't remember why. I mean, they say at the they say in Sins of Sinisters that it is like it is someone else. Yeah. It is not um like Mr. Sinister himself, one of the other ones is doing it, but that's Mother Righteous saying that. Yeah. Like yeah. that's not someone with like any sort of authority beyond what they already know. So I think there's still a little bit of like up in the airness to what might happen there and what Dominion might be. Like it doesn't necessarily have to be one of the sinisters is my take but i could easily be wrong and i would be happy to be wrong (laughs) i want to shout out uh one sorry just real quick i mean this is kind of non sequitur before i forget i just want to shout out one little kiron gillenism uh (laughs) where he he loves to do this stupid wordplay he loves stuff and there's a there's a great moment where the uh Dr. Stasis' gun that he uses is called the Sinister Six Shooter. 
and he says it's not because of Mr. Sinister <laughs> it's because of that Spider-Man team up <laughs> yeah <laughs> or Spider-Man yeah. villain Which, yeah. does he also kind of imply that he's responsible for that yeah. in some way or which I uh, like. I uh, said it, but the the two pages of just like inserting uh, stasis and mother righteous into the entire history of the Marvel universe is so funny to me. Yeah, it's that's like, great. Just who are the like, twins that are in Captain the America crib Hulk. with? Oh, that's um, mother righteous. The, the Wonder and Visions kids. Okay, I yeah, thought I actually, as much, but I was like, are there, like, other twins that I'm forgetting about? So it's it's Speed and, um, I don't know. Wicca, right? Yeah, but I, I, what's his new name? He he moved on from Wiccan oh, because people were idea. like, that's offensive, yeah. which is, yeah, <laughs> very fair. Uh, I, I think it's just he's, uh, Prince Consort Oh, yeah, Prince now, Consort to so. the Skrull Empire. He was, he was in the last, uh, Scarlet Witch issue. Um, he has a big like introduction speech, and then at the end of it, he's just like, "Oh, hi, mom." <laughs> it's cute. Yeah, when he was on the uh, like um, Avengers America, uh, when there was like the Unity Squad stuff going on, and like five other Avengers, that's when he first took on like a new name. So I'm looking with that up real quick. Um, I don't it's know why also, it matters. Uh, <laughs> the other the other ones are. Like she's riding the Darkhold, I think. Yes, yeah. And she's... also, she's hanging out with Belasco. Oh, it's Belasco like, looking in that at one. the X Mansion. I I looked on the, the ah, wiki right, page yeah. <laughs> because I was like, I I I, I figured out all there. Well, the other two because I mean, it's apocalypse is pretty uh, yeah. obvious. Um, but yeah, it's Belasco, and they're looking at the X Mansion through like a, uh, crystal ball. Presumably, she's going like, "Hey, there's." There's this mutant over there called Ileana Rasputin <laughs> who you could go fuck with. Yeah. Or something to that um, effect. I also like those two pages because it's sort of parallel to uh, Mr. Sinister's backstory, which is that, like, his his sort of deal is after he gets his origin story over and done with, he becomes obsessed with working with mutant bloodlines behind the scenes. So, like, he does very little yeah. as a villain for, like, a hundred years until he turns up to, like, clone Jean Grey or whatever. Um, and that's very much similar to what, what uh, Stasis and Mother Righteous are doing, which is just sort of, like, hanging out and implied nudging things into the direction that they want it to go. Yeah, it's it's a really, like, fun way to do it, and I can't wait to see what Orbis Stellaris is version is whenever we get that one page <laughs> <What? of laughs> him him forming the guardians of the galaxy or something yeah, he's, yeah he's, him he's creating the nova force oh my god uh, yeah, i i did have the thought that if like any of these one shots like sinister four is the one that sounds the most like it could be the title of an actual miniseries Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't. I don't think. I think uh, Kieran Gillen already said he has like the number of issues he has left to write done. So I don't think he's gonna write that. But uh, if if they do, if they do end up having to work together, maybe. Mm. Oh, I looked it up, and uh, his name is Demiurge. That's oh, what he okay. goes by after Wiccan, which I think is much cooler. Oh yeah, he uh, yeah. he was yeah. called that That's in Young Avengers. Yeah. That is uh, all the fall-off stuff. I have got to head off in just a second. Um, I'm happy for you guys to continue with your, like, 
Hellfire Gala predictions because I don't have many. Um, yeah, I also want to talk about Immortal for a little bit. Yes, that's what like, I was going to say. There. I was going to try and like throw us into Immortal by shouting out my theory, a theory for long-term Immortal stuff, which is the you know you know the like refrain of like you're a ghost, you're a ghost when people have been like seeing the future at pivotal moments. Whoever they're seeing, I reckon that's the Dominion. Okay. <clears throat> because the the I Dominion is, that, yeah. exists yeah. outside of time and space and can like travel through all these things. Um and it's been affecting mostly Mr. Sinister's or Nathaniel Essex's and Destiny. Um so my thought is that it's related to the Dominion. Uh which it I also like my, this is the other reason my called shot is Mother Righteous, because she is dead to Nathaniel Essex, uh, as in his original wife is, as is, yeah. uh, and Destiny would also, also knows about Mr. Sinister's dead wife. Um, and so that's, that's also, it's read from the frame, usually when it comes out. So that's that's my that's my that's my Dominion theory, but that's just a comic book theory. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Pat's Dominion theory. Alright, do you wanna plug or shout out anything before you go? Um uh, I'll I'll plug the podcast we've referenced the most this issue, Cerebrocast, uh, which does really good, long in depth. Um, reviews of the reviews. They talk about the history of X-Men characters. Uh, yeah, they go through biographies yeah, of yeah. individual characters. They have characters. some heavy hitter X-Men writers on, oh, I guess. Yeah. Like, They've had those are all the episodes I listened to. I, yeah, they had Victor Laval on yeah. Sabretooth. Oh. Uh, Howard's on there all the time. I believe yeah. he's friends with Teeny Howard. Like, real yeah, he's life. the he's the he's the literally agent of Teeny Howard. So, <laughs> uh, um, yeah, my my one complaint with the Cerebro podcast is that, and this is not a, not necessarily the podcast fault. I think the listener questions that get written in are too long. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need to read entire letters that start with this is my favorite podcast and you're doing such a great job at hosting it and I want to sh- thank the all- the guests you have on for making you don't need to tell your whole life story in your listener letters <laughs> um, if, if we ever get listener questions for this podcast you've heard it from Janos direct to the point one sentence. Just make it. I mean, that's why that's why on Azobep we have we just want the questions we're here for yeah. business on Azobep, we have, like, Twitter questions, so you have, like, a limited amount of characters you can ask in a question. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Um, I will leave you to discuss the fall of the Quiet Council. Hell yeah. All right. Bye, Bye. Holly. Bye. Thank you for coming. Bye. I saw people saying things, and I was worried that I'd miss something. No. Oh, we were just <laughs> no, so saying bye. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, so let's... I think we should get into Immortal X-Men next and the, like, last couple issues that have come out during the, the period that Fall of X has been coming out. I will... Yeah. I want to say as a... as a quick, like, temperature check or vibe check, 
on Fall of X. Like, I've been feeling some, like, release cycle fatigue about Fall of X coming up. Uh, It it felt like quite wheel spinny. I was... uh, like I was like, yeah, it's gonna be good when the Hellfire Gala happens, but I, I I need it to finally happen. And this last issue of Immortal like fully catapulted me into caring about it again. Yeah, I think like having this big shakeup coming for like the politics of mutants yes. as a whole feels very uh, yeah. It's like a real driving force that like. Yeah, I want. I want to see what's gonna come next. What's the next yeah. way they're going to? It's it's a really basically. smart move from the meta standpoint to because the the, the excitement w- with like Hickman's the end of Hickman's X Men basically uh, that led into the first Hellfire Gala. The excitement of creating of the election of the new X Men team has kind of died off at this point. So it's it's cool to have like a new uh, a new election that we can be excited about. Yeah, and like also, I think like the the Quiet Council has been such a mess for such yes. a long time. It is it's so nice to finally be getting to the point where we're seeing like the the effects of that happening, as opposed to just like more yeah. of them fucking up over and over again um not that that's not like enjoyable to read but we were definitely getting to like the the boiling point of like we can no longer like just have them fuck up again like the second Celine joins the council it's like something's gotta get oh, yeah. here i mean the idea we discussed this like off air like back in the discord but like the whole uh the council themselves are the ones who decide who is going to sit on the council is like yeah, really problematic long term. They're a they're a council of philosopher kings, yeah, and like that can't work. <laughs> the the fact that it was just when when we started, all right, here's yeah. twelve, like here's what we're who and we're it was just have, like it, it was, was like, like guys who are it was business deals. Yeah, it was who yeah. made Krakoa possible, basically. Uh, like it's like the most American way possible to set up a government yeah. ha- is happening. Like the the loudest voices in the, in the rooms that have some sort of like political cachet are the ones that are being put on the council. And then it like, turned into across the board. Uh, Charles just getting his friends seats, uh, whether yeah. they whether yeah. they like had any important political contributions or not. Like just to okay, Storms on the council, so there's a good person there. Nightcrawler is here, so because he's good. And he needs to balance Cyclops out all these there, villains. Or not, yeah. Colossus. Colossus is there. Was Cyclops originally uh, there? Uh, did he... Um, no, he was, he was offered the, oh, yeah, he declined, offered, yeah. to take Apocalypse's seat, and he denied it. Oh, yeah, it. because he was like, um, I'm going to leave And that's also action, when yeah. he stepped down as Captain Commander. Which is um, my... And when Gene, Gene left. Yeah. Oh, was Gene on the council? Gene left, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Gene yeah, was Gene on the council. Was yeah, that, I, I mixed start. those two up then, yeah. But, like, Colossus's entry onto the council is the ultimate version of, like, Charles's, like, yes. just desire to bend things in his direction by adding his friends on the council, blowing up in his face because Colossus is being controlled by the Chronicler um, and his brother over in Russia. And, like, that's then led to, like, this kind of, like, snapback of power being 
uh, like stolen back by Shaw um, and us seeing like the addition of destiny or not destiny Celine. of uh Celine yeah. onto the council yeah and like destiny being the only voice like that's still dissenting in a direction yeah. that like is kind of helpful but also like not at all yeah. it's like she's a stoppage point but she has no solution yeah it's uh, most of the time <laughs> my stupid comparison for this is i uh just recently listened to the doughboys first uh tournament of champions where they had like a tournament of what is the best burger and it started out normal and then they started to get into real contentious fights where uh they uh it started with like mitch changing his vote after he already set his vote to uh to not get burger king in and get cars jr in that like <laughs> snowballed into uh into nick pulling like a changing a vote from the past to affect the current state of the voting into like the whole tournament just like <laughs> being being basically like a complete sham and that's what that's what this reminds me of of uh, once you establish the uh, precedent of oh you can get just get your friends in if you have enough votes that's gonna lead to uh mystique getting destiny and that's gonna lead to shaw getting Celine in <laughs> like w- once there is a once the like the power base or the idea of democracy gets like there has to be like a pretension that this is just and once people are like we're gonna give up the pretension that this is a just system and we're just gonna use it to our advantage it's just no good and the good guys have been doing bad things to retain their power like emma and uh and kitty like we don't really get into it a ton but they essentially lobotomized shaw for a little bit yeah um after he killed Kitty, like, in revenge, and, like, it worked well in the story and it made sense, but that's, like, a horrific action for an individual yeah. to take against another I mean, person, Emma like, is a in g- retribution. Emma, Emma call- being calling Emma the good guy was, like, in air quotes, I, we, like... Yeah, yeah, more more Kitty is, is yeah. positioned as the good guy, although she a couple of times has recently been taking revenge against, like her people doing wrong against her in a major way that's like a lot more negative than something she would have done like historically yeah. like she did the same thing against cassandra nova by leaving her in the past to be like eradicated by strife yeah one, one thing i'm very interested in going forward is also like what happens to these people who had the power and now don't oh yeah like, for sure what's what's charles gonna do now that he's right not the the guy because he's like, not staying on the council no one no one in krakoa trusts oh, him yeah. after like well, the I don't exiles. Even know if we're going to have we're not going to have like a council i don't think yeah like, it's probably going to take a different form yeah and like how does he handle for once like literally this would be the first time while he's alive that he hasn't been either the leader or like a, a focal figure yeah. in mutantum like how does he handle that or how does how do emma and shaw and exodus like handle stuff like that as well well and then cypher at the end of the comics uh comic gets like pulled into krakoa itself like he's kind of in the pit right now so that krakoa can protect him yeah doesn't say great things about what krakoa thinks is about to happen but Maybe he's just hiding away so he can't say anything stupid during the election season and then 
He's yep. guaranteed to get on his, there. His big wife is so mad. She is slashing <laughs> a tree. B is slashing a tree out there somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, I'm. I mean, that's that's obviously like a huge plot hook at the end. Like classic, the classic move of oh, you thought this was the insane cliffhanger at the end. Well, here's another <laughs> one. Here's an even wilder one. With like him being thrust into the pit where he there isn't even a room for himself because he didn't he made one for everyone except for uh, except for the professor and Emma and himself yeah um and I think he also in, it's very interesting that he's kind of playing a, a parallel to Colossus here yeah because right where I am in the the Claremont era um is where Doug is being introduced initially um and he is introduced as like a love triangle interest for for Kitty against Colossus, like okay. an age appropriate love interest. <laughs> and Colossus is like butthurt about him being there. And so it's interesting to like now see them like as actual adults in the story, like um, taking political parallels to each other. Um, like I do think like Colossus's like love uh, storyline with Kitty in the old comics is like not ideal to read really? a lot of the time it's it's pretty problematic <laughs> i but the comic recognizes that at times as well like he had a like a conversation with wolverine recently where wolverine's being like was like you're being a freak bub <laughs> you need to ca- you need to calm down you're being a freak bub <laughs> um yeah i'm gonna stop spoiling the claremont era for you oh, guys fine. now but i will forget it by the time i, I get I, there like i have so much left yeah i mean it's it's all stuff i've read the summaries of or, or listen yeah. to like yeah uh, yeah i mean if you reading of, reading like classic comics isn't about like finding out what happens but like seeing how it happens it's, it's giving yourself like the context yeah. a little bit of what you already know yeah i mean yeah i mean spoilers i don't care about spoilers anyway like yeah that's very fair i'm much the same way um it also affects jenna's or what what is his name um exodus yeah in interesting ways because his like powers are directly tied to like people's confidence in either him or his myth making i mean my yeah but you see i i think that might be kind of like i feel like if anything he would become more powerful because he would go off and do more you know preaching about the redeemer and oh yeah absolutely and like and there's no nightcrawler on krakoa to act as like kind of a religious counterpoint to right. like his myth making within point. the like island itself and their community. Yeah. I don't even know who because it's like it needs to be. I I, I have no idea how the, if the election even if the vote even happens because it's entirely possible that Orcus is gonna attack before they get even to vote or whatever. But if if the vote happens, I have no idea if because the questions are like who would even want to be on the Quiet Council at this point. Like, other than people who are already evil maniacs. Like, of course, Sebastian Shaw will want to be there. Will people vote for Sebastian Shaw? I don't think so. <laughs> so who is there who wants to be there and also is being voted for? So, a character, this is going to be kind of sound out of left field. I think Dazzler might get involved. That's, that's a good shot. Dazzler has not had like much of anything going on in Krakoa like at all is the celebrity and there's an alternate timeline from like 
mid-2000s X-Men, where Dazzler is the first mutant elected president of the U.S. <laughs> and okay. so she has, like, political bona fides already, and they love to pull from old shit in, like, what's going on right now. And the now. other thing about Dazzler is that, also, I learned this from Sarah Brooke podcast, is that Kieran Gillen, before he, I think before he got to be, like, actually the main X-Men writer of that time, uh, he pitched a Desla story that never ended up, like, happening, but he had, like, an outline for a Desla story. Um, so I could see him wanting to, like, do something with her. That's, that, I think that's a good call. Some of the other obvious, like, quote-unquote good characters that, like, would be more obvious or kind of tied up in other areas. Yeah. Like, I think um, if Sunspot wasn't already doing shit on Ar- Araka, like, he'd be involved. He could be. But, like, he's already kind of made his stakes somewhere else. Yeah. Um, I think, like, a lot of people are really interested in getting, like, Danny on the council I've seen on, like, Twitter and stuff. Um, and I think that could be interesting, but I like more of the idea of Danny taking over, like, the professorship. Like, I like her being in charge of, like, kind of, like, the school and there's thing not gonna of kids be, that's going on. I mean, just from a comic writing standpoint, we're not gonna get a pure good council. <laughs> like, we're not gonna yeah, get a council no, without some not. nefarious types on there. So, But, th- like, I'm more interested in speculating on who's yeah. the quote-unquote good guys that are gonna be there, more so to see, like, what that composition yeah is because i think we do have a little bit of an idea of what the opposition is going to look like already you know like it is celine still it is shaw still like finding a way to weasel in and be powerful you know like exodus could easily break bad not that i necessarily want him to because i kind of like exodus as a character as like this like good guy oh yeah ish person like um but like he could be like a very easily turned into like a fun televangelist like um version of himself well, it's like he already you know? is that but it's yeah. like what what he's preaching we kind of agree with so it's fine yeah it's like, but like get him get him on mojo world and have him like stay like kind of like a corrupt version of like what's going on there's kind of what i'm excited about with the council falling apart is there is like a lot of possibility compared to like what we are seeing from the other threats to like krakoa right now like the council falling apart leads to a lot of possibilities for conflict that's ambiguous where like we know a little bit about what the direction of what genesis is going to do what um mother righteous is going to do and like what Orcus is going to do and what Nimrod's going to do, because, like, that's been being built up for so long, where this is this is the mystery. This is, like, what I'm excited about. Yeah. I think uh, one is, like, hope. Hope stays on. Oh, yeah, yeah. for sure. Like, no matter yeah. what, because... And other members of the five... Like, the entire five could be on the council. I don't think they would want to. I feel like it would be, like, they get elected and they go, like... Ah no, hope can just cover could can cover for us basically. Like we shouldn't be taking up that much space or something. But I feel like the way they're talked about is like mm. they they would be easy if they want to be there. They can be there. I could. I would love like yeah. uh, a Veep style comic of like the five 
um, doing, like, campaigning for Hope. That would be great. <laughs> they, they just don't need to, though. because No, absolutely already... not. Everyone already loves her. I could see uh, Angel or uh, Monet being there because of the X-Corp thing that uh, they don't have their comic anymore. So, uh, But I think X-Corporation still exists. Uh, and yeah. has uh, and they have power. like an, a they have an interest as yeah. the people running X Corp in like seeding power. I think Emma's sticking around for sure. Yeah. Um, I I think like the the council members that are fucking around are not going quietly. You know, Colossus is going to be like the Chronicles rules are like it has to be something that Colossus does believably though like it would be something that other people would believe of his character you know yeah. like that's how the like power works and so i think like it could be interesting to have like what does a colossus being removed from power that he is like in the shadows manipulating what actions does he take from there are they big swings do people believe he would take big swings? Is that where it falls apart? Like, cause I, I think Colossal is like kind of being positioned as like, um, like a lib, like what the guy in the U S uh, Congress, who's always like voting with the Republicans, even though he's a Democrat, um, like that's who Colossus is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's like, he thinks it's, there's still some excuse for how he thinks this is the right thing to do, even though it's clearly not, and it goes badly every time. Yeah. Like, the Colossus' stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, and so I think, like, the way that control and manipulation is happening is is probably going to concede in very interesting ways as he falls from power, like, during... And we'll probably see that, that story in, like, X-Force, yeah. hopefully. <laughs> uh, do we believe... Uh, because there's, there's, you know, obviously I said the main X-Men election is less interesting, but uh, do we think Cyclops is staying on? I feel, I, I kind of feel like he's going to step down. I think both him and Jean are, well, we know we Jean's know Jean leaving. Is leaving, she yeah. said it, and, uh, but I, I think they both are. I think he either stays gone. on the X-Men and has to leave Jean or leave the X-Men and then talk to her and maybe uh, repair whatever broke between them, so... I I could see him staying on, and and it going bad. Well, I would like yeah. you know, not going bad in the way, but just uh, yeah, them them being separated for a bit, and then because I think that yeah, could lead to some interesting stuff on the main X Men book if they if yeah. they want to. Emma but, is gonna be. Emma is marrying Tony, so it could be interesting for scott to be yeah. in a place where he's like separated from gene and also emma is not available scott getting invited to the stag do and getting really messy yeah. and like having having a bad time yeah uh, well, I, I, I believe think, seeing like, confirmation that kitty pride is gonna be on oh sorry Oh, I was going to say, I think Emma's reaction gives us a little bit of a hint to, like, what Scott is going to do, because in the past, yeah. like, Scott is is very much like Jean is. They both are similar in their relationships where they bounce back and forth between two people, like, and that's how they've been able to get this, like, polyamory to work. Um, and so because when Scott went to Emma, 
and was like was like oh you've heard about what's going on with me and Jean and she was like yeah I don't give a shit um <laughs> I'm busy uh I think that means that we're either gonna get a very divorced dad energy cyclops which could be really interesting I would love a messy divorced dad cyclops um or and that's the cyclops that would stay on the x-men you know yeah um or he leaves he leaves the team and tries to save like his marriage not that i think it's gonna fall apart but it's definitely in like a precarious i mean he's still gonna be i think i think even if he leaves the team uh he's gonna stay on the main x-men book yeah uh, yeah just because i don't know i don't know where else i mean so much of that book is from his perspective yeah yeah uh, I I was just gonna say earlier, uh, Kitty Pride has been confirmed to be on the X Men, uh, which okay. I'm excited for because Jerry Duggan is writing her again. Um, that's a character that he likes and knows, uh, so she probably will get something to do. Was there a fan uh, vote? Like some this other time around? members on the team. I think there was, but I don't know what the... I think the last time I saw it was, like, Kate Pride is going to be on the X-Men and the fan vote as well. Okay. I, so. I'm sad I missed the fan vote, because I would have used all my votes on iBoy. Get him in there. <laughs> <laughs> iBoy would have been good. Uh, I would love to see the multiple men getting to do anything on Krakoa. Um, oh, yeah. I He would he be great. He was in Mutant First Strike. Yeah, he was there in one panel. boxes or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of soup. good, like, X-Men candidates that show up in Mutant First Strike. I think that might be, like, maybe the part of the point of the issue is maybe to get, like, a perspective on, like, who we could potentially see. But that's, yeah. like, a, a bit of a reach on my end as well. Um, Yeah, and the final thing, I guess, we'll... We, we teased this earlier. We're getting a... New series oh, called Oh yeah, Miss Marvel. Miss <laughs> Marvel call in the new mutant, written by the actress who plays her on the TV show, and also co-written by one of the writers on the TV show. Which is oh, before we get into that, I do want to say I think Tempo is going to join the the X Men squad. I, that's going to be that that's my sense, call. Yeah. yeah, is Tempo? Yeah. But so yeah, uh, she's a mutant now. She's gonna be re- she's gonna be egged up. She's gonna hatch. She's gonna be she's gonna be a mutant. She's getting a new costume that has the X Men logo on it. Even, um, which I don't know yeah, why it's it's too much to have it, it and the like Miss Marvel lightning bolts. I think it kind of eh, you calling the series the new mutant is very funny to me. I really like that. I think it's just very dumb there was a lot of discussion i saw on like line i perused x spoilers over it and and like now i'm following the cerebro account so my feed is like on twitter is almost exclusively Mm -hmm. x-men shit um but uh a lot of people were saying that like miss marvel was originally intended to be a mutant which i would easily believe um because like it was around the the time that that Marvel was pushing the Inhumans for the first time, that, like, Miss um, Marvel came out. Like, I think her initial debut, the Inhumans TV show has already been announced. It's still, like, three, four years from coming on, out, but there was, like, a definite push 
within Marvel, at least this is my like fan brain conspiracy theory, I guess, is that oh no, like, yeah, they're they're definitely they were ones. trying yeah. at that time just... they were trying to push the comics writers to like replace mutants within humans just in general like and i think that is what leads to the mutants versus inhumans storyline happening um and like this is definitely like them now they have the mutants and they have to fix it like this is this entire event exists because of the mcu um like from the very beginning to where we are getting to now and that's like my main complaint about it i guess but also like it's fun who cares <laughs> i think that whole that whole era of like yeah the inhumans are getting pushed because like marvel owned the rights to the inhumans they didn't own the rights to the x-men that's what always everyone always said and like i think it's true to a degree but like they were still doing pretty fun stuff with the inhumans and like the x-men were still around and like I think it's a it's a shame that that all ended with the Inhumans just fucking off to space and stopping existing. Like they haven't been in any comics for like five years or something. And I would kind of like if a uh, an end end game sort of thing for this series is some return of the Inhumans in some way. Like I I think the Inhumans are pretty cool. It would be. I'd be all right having them back. I don't. I think like it's good that Miss Marvel has still had that link to the Inhumans the whole time, and now that she's going to be both, which sure. shouldn't be possible. But like because the Terrigen Mists kill yeah. anyone who has an X gene, but uh, well, like, they'll, they'll do I, some I just stuff. A gun. Oh, I was going to say, I think the way that, like, it's going to be explained within the book itself, like, this is my guess for that, like, writing is um, that, like, the way she is able to have her powers still through, um, like, the resurrection process is by giving her an X-Gene. I don't think she's going to literally be an inhuman anymore. I think they're just going to not divorce her from that history. I know they've said that, uh but I think in the text itself, it's going to be, like arguable and that's gonna be like a pain in the ass to read online i'm sure like i'm not trying to take like a side in this if they do uh, yeah i i could i i I can't i could see that happening that they give her an x gene and make her a mutant which makes it very like i don't know the whole thing of trying to align it with the tv series uh in the mcu is just such a weird like I, like two or three years late. As yeah. Well. Like, like did did anyone even watch that? Like did either I of you watch that the show? First Was it any good? Four episodes of it, and like I, her being a mutant, I don't remember coming up at any point. Um, like oh, it's it's a it's like the end. Um, it's the final scene because in show. in yeah, it's just be- like someone shows up and says, "Hey, you're yeah." Because the beginning is like That's these villains show up and they sh- they explain that um she. She's related to a a jinn, uh, like from mythology, um, and that's what her grandmother was. And then they explain like what that means in regards to like the Marvel universe. And then she went back in time, and that's when I stopped watching. Great. Yeah, I, I only watched like the first episode and a half, I think. 
Um, and I really liked that first episode, but then everyone was like, oh yeah, after the first episode, it just turns into a normal well, level show. And I went, yeah, oh, the first no. episode is like really stylized in the way they present the show. And it's like, like there's like little animated bits all throughout it, like on it, on the backgrounds of stuff. It's yeah, it really, really engaging. Nice. And then like, they just like slowly drop that off in the second episode. And it barely happens after that. And that's kind of why I stopped watching. Right. It was like a style reason, but like she has these like wristbands that shoot lasers and that's her powers initially is she has that's not what she or does they in like the comics, make like right? <laughs> she has stretchy powers in the comics She's stretchy yeah yeah but they make like they're, it's kind of like green lantern like she has green lantern powers essentially in the in the Correct. beginning of the show but maybe by the end of it they're like no she does have stretchy powers she becomes stretchy. It, yeah i don't I know mean, no she she doesn't no? have stretchy oh. in the it's i think it might be just that the bracelets aren't actually where okay. the powers come from. Uh, yeah. what I, the, the, Wiki, the Wikipedia synopsis of her character says she gains the ability to harness cosmic energy and create hard light constructs from a magical bangle. So that's the bracelet. That's the bracelet. Yeah, she has. Yeah. She, she has two of them. I saw them in a GameStop recently. She being is sold. Mutant, yeah, but she's also a mutant, uh, apparently. Uh, but you see, I think what might happen is she will have both sets of powers when she gets resurrected which that seems to be like what some people think because it's like if they're saying she's still inhuman and and they have said she's going to have the stretchy powers because the actress um i think it's iman Villani uh was like yeah it's really fun to uh, write scenes with the stretchy powers and i just like leave it kind of vague and then the artist comes back with some cool <laughs> stuff like it's it, the 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 interview stuff for that announcement is very nice. Like she she seems very excited. She seems like she's very like a big comics nerd, and obviously has a connection to the character. So like I'm I'm excited to see how it goes. Like there hasn't been a bad Miss Marvel solo series yet. Every Miss Marvel series I've read, well, I really like two or three. Yeah. Um, and I also really liked her in the champions. It's kind of just been with G. Willow so. Wilson and Saladin Ahmed. Oh yeah, yeah, champions is, is yeah. Good. That's like the made Miss Marvel stuff yeah. I've read is the um, champions, and then like her her first couple initial solo runs I've also read, and like some of her yeah early Avengers I mean, I stuff. Could, we'll probably it is gonna be part of the Krakoa line, uh, so yeah, we'll uh, definitely I mean, be the talking about it in the as title, it comes so out. we'll have to talk about it. We can't not talk about the comic called The New Mutant. Yeah, the only thing um, else about the title or the thing itself that I, I think is maybe going to be interesting is because it's called The New Mutant, does that mean New Mutants yeah. will show up? Uh, like, I think it would be cool to team her up there's with There's no Escapade New Mutant series currently, so maybe Yeah, there's... Um, and because she'll be new to Krakoa, I think it would be smart to team her up with Escapade because... Um, Escapade is also so new to Krakoa um, yeah. and like they would kind of bounce off well with each other I think um, yeah yeah I could see that yeah, it's, it's, could it's probably that. I mean it's probably gonna be fine at least maybe even good uh, I think the way it was done was very clunky oh, yeah, it's, it's incredibly <laughs> stupid like it's the entire thing of her being in the 
Spider-Man was just really stupid and killing her for no reason. It's just yeah, like, I haven't read any of that uh, like event that where she dies. So I'm gonna have to go back and read that and yeah. see if I have feelings about it yet. But right now I'm like on the sideline. Well, it doesn't like from what I heard, it was quite bad. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, she's just a like very minor side character for the entire run, and then 26 issues in, she just like takes a stab for someone else. I mean, it like, just feels like a very... It. And she's, she saves the world. It feels very whatever, much like a top-down like, decision, like not something that Zeb oh, Wells wanted absolutely. to do or not something that Jerry Duggan wanted to do. Like, I've seen like something about how some Inhumans fan on some Black Bolt fan and Inhumans fan on uh, from like Discord and Twitter made up an account where they accused Jerry Duggan of sexual assault very incredibly like very un uh, oh my god because they were mad that Miss Marvel was killed off as be- and become a mutant and they were oh mad god. that she's not gonna be an Inhuman anymore so that's why they made up stories about yeah, Jerry wow, Duggan who very so clearly brutal. isn't the one who even made the decision she's in the running to as Marvel's most popular character, like I, after Spider-Man, yeah, that's probably it's, why they... it's a really close race, and well, she's she, near the she top. Was. <laughs> so, like, and then they they didn't do a solo comic with her for the past like three years. Wow, she has a TV show like, going that can't on. Be good for her popularity. <laughs> like, it's crazy that she didn't have a solo book they while she had same, a show like, on the multiverse. air. Yeah. They did the same like multiverse mini series that they've done with like half of the characters in the Mar- in like the Marvel Comics universe, where it was like, oh, she met someone from a, a different version of her, which they've done with like Everybody every version of the Spider Man co- yeah. characters. And like Jessica Jones had one last year. Like, it's it's really annoying how often they do this. What if Miles Morales was the Hulk? side tangent about like multiverse stuff i think multiverses are like so they're such an arrogant idea for like um a story to me because it's like if there is a multiverse right it is so random and differentiated from like like every other universe is going to be so aggressively different from each other that in order to find something so similar to our own I, it's not like based off individual yeah, like human the, decisions the, the creating a multiverse is, you know the idea not- is right that Earth 616 is one of the multiverses of or one of the other versions of this earth that we live on and all the other ones have superheroes but this one doesn't like I don't I don't know how that works <laughs> But in this one, they're the comics that are being sold. I don't know. Like, I like... I, I think there are a lot of good multiverse stories out there, but I think, like, the core concept it ends up being, like, very, like... Like, human-centric in a way that, like, I find personally hard to get behind sometimes. You know? Like, I just think if, if there was a multiverse, most of the other universes would be, like, that scene in the Doctor Strange 2 where they're in a paint world and you're just paint when you go into the other multiverse, you know? <laughs> It's very, I mean, everyone, I think everyone has multiverse fatigue, uh, even though there was a new Spider-Verse movie that might have, but it's still like, I think, I think some, I saw like posts about this, about how Spider-Verse's success led to executives taking the wrong lesson again and making every superhero movie a multiverse story. 
they they took the like Edge of Spider Verse comics they did, and have just repeated it for like all those other characters, and just they're never particularly interesting stories, and they just keep doing it, and they'll do it for everyone else. Like, and I'm just well, and that's like an interesting thing with the X Men in um, like comparison to a lot of other Marvel characters is they have so many dead timelines like they they lean to the dead timeline way more often than they lead to like a multiverse and i think that ends up having like a lot of more like gratifying consequences on like the main stories they end up going back to like we're seeing with sins of sinister it's a dead timeline that they go back to the present and then they have to deal with the effects of like manipulating time and being in a dead timeline where with like multiverse stuff it it's regularly just like okay well now it's back to my universe where nothing of consequence happened you know yeah well they're making a new one ultimate invasion is happening yeah that's an interesting take though they're building a universe <laughs> and like immediately saying yeah that some that that things will be different in uh, like pretty specific ways like you know Peter Parker not getting bitten by that spider. That's yeah. that's a big deal. Um we'll see what's where it goes from Yeah, know. absolutely. Do we have any other like comics or anything we want to talk about before we wrap up? I we've been going for two and a half hours, so Yeah, I feel like we're getting there. <laughs> yeah. I'm probably. reading The Wicked and Divine. It's good so far. I just finished the first volume this morning. That's all I have to say about other books. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm reading Sweet Tooth by Jeff Lemire. Uh, it's really good. It's kind of like a dark fan- post-apocalyptic dark fantasy horror comic um, about these uh, about a post-apocalypse where kids start be all the normal people are dying out and new kids are being born that are like animal hybrids. Basically, that's the concept. So it's uh, Jeff Lemire, very good writer, great artist. So. Uh, I've just been reading a bunch of manga recently, but one that I'm liking that I just started is Go Go Loser Ranger. That sounds dope. Just title alone. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like Sentai or Power Rangers thing where basically the setup is that like the bad guys came down, they got stopped by the the Rangers, uh, well, the, the Dragon Keepers, and uh, then... Basically, they got turned into a show where, like, every Sunday, the the bad guys come down and attack, and the 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 rangers defeat them, and the rangers and the bad guys are the only ones that know this is a show, and everyone else thinks that the world is still in danger every Sunday, so they support the rangers and stuff. And uh, the the comic is about one of the the bad guys, one of the like, it's like a, a putty from uh, Power Rangers, like one of the the nameless like uh bad guys uh going down to the surface and trying to basically reveal the lie and also maybe kill kill the power rangers if he can uh and it's pretty sick i'm only like 10 chapters in but it's a really fun premise and uh it's been delivering so far so i've got like 80 more chapters of it to read yeah with with sweet tooth i will say about it that it's I'm two volumes in, but I read both of them in one sitting. Like, it's just really one of those page turners. 
Like yeah, I tore through the first volume of The Wicked and oh, Divine, and you guys were yeah, okay. absolutely right about it. I'm sh- shocked I've waited two weeks to get into it finally. <laughs> Alright, I think that's that's it then, right? We're gonna come back in a couple weeks and talk about the Hellfire Gala. Yes! Um, which is, really, that's the the true birth of this podcast, I think, is like that yeah. we that is the start of the fall. So this has all this been, has all been prequel until then. Yeah. This is this is our before the fall era. And now we're we'll finally get Yeah. To it. Thank you for listening. If you've made it through all two and a half hours, I really commend you. Um I think that you should definitely go rate us on whatever podcatcher you listen Please. to us on if that's an option. And uh, tell your X Men friends, especially iTunes, because they're still uh, they're still the ones who command the business, unfortunately. So if you're if you're on Apple devices, uh, leave us a five star review. Don't just rate us; leave us a review. Our theme song is "Welcome to Our Welcome to Our Island" by Caroline Polachek. Um, and you can find us on your podcatchers. My name's Nick. You can find me on Instagram at Nick R. Vern. Any shout-outs from you guys before we go? I'm good. Yeah. I'm, All right. That was Yano Shinkiwi. <laughs> you can't find me. Yeah. I am my father's daughter in the end. He says, watch your ego, watch your head, girl. You're so smart, so talented, but now the water's turning red, and it's all your fault, and it's all your mess, and you're all alone. You can't go to bed too high on your adrenaline. You gotta go somewhere where you can't pretend. Don't forget the rules, forget your friends, just you and your reflection. Cause nothing's gonna be the same again. No, nothing's gonna be the same again.